Welcome to the Free Birth Society podcast. This is a radical space for women who are ready to celebrate their autonomous choices in birth, motherhood, and beyond. Together, we'll learn about wild birth through personal narrative, we'll explore the politics of birth, and we'll analyze everything that relates to our lives as women from a feminist perspective. Here's your host, Emily Saldea. It's been a wild freedom What if I told you that there was an underground, global community of badass women all swapping wisdom, witnessing and supporting each other in total reverence, and birthing their babes entirely outside of the medical system? What if I told you that there was a vetted, private, exclusive space where you could access my personal list of radical birth keepers? And what if I told you that it's off Facebook, it's troll-free, and where most of the women on this podcast are hanging out. If you're in alignment with what we talk about here on the podcast, it's a pretty sure bet that our private community wants you in it. We have 11 monthly circles and workshops virtually, and also have a member directory so that you can find women in your local community too. And this isn't just for mothers. This is for the wild-hearted, radical woman who is interested in consciousness raising, questioning the systems that harm us, living sovereign, holistic lifestyles, and wants to create community to guide our way back to healed sisterhood. Go to freebirthsociety.com and apply today. I'll see you in there. When free birth journey started with the birth of her own twin sisters when she was just a kid. Today, she shares with us her experience of contending with her fertility and leaning into trusting that her body that made these babies could, of course, birth these babies. She shows us what is possible when a mother stakes her claim on what she wants for herself and her lineage. All right. Welcome, Kyra. Thank you. I'm really excited to share my story today. Yeah, thank you so much. Well, let's get it let's get it started. Where do you want to begin when we kind of ask where is the beginning point if you could place one of um where your mothering journey really begins? Yeah, so my mother has six children and I am the oldest and they're really spread out. So I was born when my mom was 19, Mm -hmm. and so she had my brother and I. And then when I was about 10, she was going to have my little sister. And I remember being so excited. I was raised in um, 
a religious household. So I was taught to like pray every night before bed. And I prayed every night. I feel like of my childhood for a little sister. And that's all I wanted from God when I was a child. So my mom was pregnant and I found out I was going to have a little sister. And I just took it upon myself to read the entire what to expect when you're expecting. I was in fifth grade and just. Oh my gosh, that is yeah, so cute. And I was learning just so much because fifth grade is also the year when children go through human growth and development in school for the first time. So okay. my teachers were, you know, trying to tell us about the reproductive system. And I'm like, I actually know so much about this. So that's, I feel like really where it began. Um, after my sister was born, 18 months after my little sister was born. So I was 12 at this point, my mother was pregnant again and having twins. And it was Whoa. two more sisters. And I told Whoa. her, I really want to be at the birth. And I was like, I really, really want to be at the birth. And my mom had very traditional hospital births and wasn't sure if it was like necessarily appropriate to have me there. Totally. was like her stance. But I was so adamant. I was like, I really wanted to be at um, my other sister's birth. And she thought I was too young. So I was like, please let me be there. So when the time came and my mom was going to deliver my twin little sisters, she let me come and it was like a two hour labor. So she had really a bad. vaginal birth. She had a vaginal twin birth. Yes. All nice. of her births were vaginal. Yes. And it was unmedicated, um, but it was in the hospital. And I remember just being there. And this was my first experience of birth was watching my twin little sisters um, be born. And I, I just knew I was like, Oh man, I can't wait to be a mom. I was like, it's it'll be so great. So later, um, I was nineteen when I found out I was pregnant, and just I, like your mom, just like my wow. mom. Wow! But I very much did not want to be pregnant. Um, mm. I it was really important to me that. When I was going to be a mom, I really wanted to be married. I really wanted to know, like, this is the person who I'm going to be with. Sure. Um, and at the time, my boyfriend at the time, who is now my husband, um, we had been together maybe about a year or so. And we loved each other so much. But it's a very big thing to go from, like, yeah, we're just, like, fooling around and we love oh each gosh. other and we live together. but now we're having this baby and is this real or not? Because if it's not real, sure. like I need to know. Wow. So I can make a decision. Mm -hmm. And so that was a really big deal. And I, I chose um, to, you know, see it through and go along with the pregnancy, but um, it was a hard pregnancy emotionally and like a really easy pregnancy physically. So my, Right away, I knew, like, I probably wanted to do a home birth. I had just done a lot of, like, birth research. I was very interested in birth. And I looked around for midwives. And I found, like, hospital midwives. And I guess I didn't understand at the beginning of this care relationship that they didn't also perform home births. I yeah. was like, what do you mean there's more than one kind of midwife? Mm -hmm. Like, why would... Why don't you guys have different names? So they saw me for the beginning part of my pregnancy. And then my husband and I needed to move. And 
while we were moving, um, his mother wanted to live with us, my mother-in-law, and she was going to just like help support us as we became parents for the first time. And she had three home births for her children. She Mm. was, she's a nurse. She's been a nurse her whole career, but she's like very, um, just naturally minded and like cloth diapered her kids, like breastfed them all. So I was really like inspired by her um, way she mothered. But at this time in my life, um, when I was pregnant with my son, my mother had been gone. She had left for like over a year or so. And that had been pretty traumatic for like me and my siblings. And when she came back, she was actually pregnant, like at the same time as me. So. Yeah, at this time when I really needed like my mother to be there to support me in this unplanned like pregnancy. Yeah, she couldn't really support me in that way because she was dealing with her own very unplanned pregnancy and her own journey. And um, so she came back into my life when I was about three months pregnant and that was like when she was about to have my youngest sister. So Wait, and did you not know that she was pregnant? Like she came back full term? No, she had told me like a couple months in that she was pregnant and I was pretty upset yeah. because our communication had been so like on and off while she was gone. And basically she had just, you know, kind of decided like she needed a break and she ran off with like a boyfriend and it was just like hard for me yeah. um but I understand like her she just you know has her whole journey too so um yeah. it was just wow. it was interesting though because I was three months pregnant watching my mom have my youngest sister and I very much needed her to support me in a way that she just wasn't available to do and so here comes my husband's mom who was my boyfriend's mom at the time and I was like I just don't feel like I have this sort of relationship with you even though she was like inviting me in and wanted to be there so much she offered to pay for um a real home birth midwife which was really really sweet of her but I was like oh I I was just so stubborn at the time I was like you're not my mom Hmm. like I I'm not ready to like accept this from you so I proceeded with the pregnancy and just was feeling like very kind of shameful around like, oh, none of this is going the way I wanted it to. And it was, I was so young and it came time to have the baby. And so I'd been seeing this home birth midwife for the second part of my pregnancy. And I just couldn't fully picture having my baby with her Mm. there. She wasn't a midwife that I had picked out, she was just someone who had room who my mother-in-law like worked out providing care for me with if that makes sense so right away from the beginning it just wasn't like an ideal sort of situation and I got to be about 40 weeks and was really feeling like okay when is this baby gonna get here like I'm due it's the end of June like come on baby And I wanted my midwife to, like, do all the, like, helpful um, things I was reading about. Like, can you do, like, the sweeps? And she had all her reasons why she was like, no, I don't want to do that. But for me, who was just, like, reading 
random mom um, group posts. I'm like, well, everyone else's doctors are doing it. Like, do this for me. Help me have this baby. It's hot. Like, I'm tired. And she really didn't want to do that. So I was really stubborn and I kind of sabotaged. I didn't kind of sabotage. I sabotaged my whole um, Hmm. birth experience because I was like, if you're not going to do this, like, I am just going to go and like transfer care to the like local OBs Mm -hmm. who will take like my Medicaid and I know they'll like induce me and then I can have this baby and like I don't have to wait for you to help me and yeah so layered huh there's so much there it's a lot and it's one of probably like I think about it all the time because I really regret Hmm. the situation because of course like, did this induction go perfectly? No, it did not. Um, thankfully, I was still able to have my son vaginally, but we had the Pitocin. We had the epidural. They had the scalp monitor. Mm. And when it came time to, like, push him out, it was, like, the coached pushing. And I remember it being 7 in the morning. And so now I know that's, like, shift change. But I remember being so frustrated because it was seven in the morning. I'm trying to push my baby out. And my doctor, who was a woman, but I had never met her before this moment, just reached her hands in and pulled him out of me. And so I didn't even get to finish, like, my birth. And so I really walked away from that experience with a difficult time processing, like, everything that I had planned for. And um, Mm. kind of what had happened. And I guess I'll just say, I feel like if I had had a more supportive group of um, people around me to help build me up in feeling confident about having a home birth at that time, I probably would have been able to make that happen. But I worked in an office with a bunch of old women and basically just everyone and their mom wanted to tell me about their horrible home birth or like Mm. birth experience in the hospital. And I like actually fainted at 37 weeks pregnant because some woman told me about like her uterus prolapsing after she had her baby. Yeah. And I was like, what? Like, I didn't even know that could happen. Why would someone tell you that? Because she wanted me to be, like, scared of having my totally. baby. I mean, I know why. Yeah. It's just insane. It's so, so rude. Also, you know, I'm thinking about the midwife who mm-hmm. you're, like, asking, you know, for sweeps and all this stuff. And, you know, I really – obviously, I wasn't there. And this was a long time ago. But I really feel like she missed an opportunity to to really be with you and 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 get to know and get curious about why you wanted to rush it. Right, because that whole like, oh, I'm so done, is so um, charged. There's so much going on in that, you mm-hmm. know that that yeah, it sounds like a real missed opportunity of exploration. You know, not to necessarily talk you out of it, but to support you through it. Anyway, yeah, yeah, it was a very different experience. Like I said, she wasn't necessarily who I like. I'm sure she's the perfect midwife for so many people, and her and I, personality wise. We just weren't a good fit. Yeah. And yeah, I needed, I needed like real counseling. I needed like older woman like support to help me through a lot. It wasn't just the birth and stuff. Mm -hmm. So 
after I had my son, though, I was like, well, I'll be damned if I'm going to fail at like the other things I wanted to do. Because at this time, that's my words. Like I felt like I had failed my birth a little bit. Um, And so I was gung ho into like breastfeeding and cloth diapering him. And I joined the Leche League. And through that, I found a bunch of women who were like doulas and like had these natural births and just lived these kind of lifestyles with their babies that I really um, admired and was like, I like, take me in. I want to be like you. And so later moving on, um, I, we got married. Um, my husband and I got married when my son was one and we, Oh, I started going through like a Waldorf really childhood training. So I opened up my own like little business and it was really sweet. Yeah. And we were like, this is, this would be a good time for us to have another baby. And are you in Colorado yet? We're always in Colorado. Yes. Mm -hmm. So we were in Longmont when my son was born. And then we are in Fort Collins when we um, start trying to have my second son. And so pretty much three months after I had an IUD, I had like the copper IUD and I went to go get it taken out, which is when you are 21 years old asking to have like your IUD taken out, everyone thinks you are a crazy person. Even if you are married, Mm -hmm. they're like, no, I had several providers just tell me no. Oh my God. Yeah. Because they were like, I mean, I hear this all the time, but like, yeah. Just, it's, it's so crazy. It's so weird. Yeah. I tried to have my husband reach in and pull it out and he was like mm-hmm. a little too squeamish. He was like, I, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. going to do it. And so finally Planned Parenthood, they did it for me, which I appreciate. Thank you, Planned Parenthood. So we tried to have my son and I got pregnant in like March. This is like March of 2018. And I was so excited. Like, I immediately felt like such a connection. I had joined your Facebook group actually around this time because I was really like, I really want to have like as natural a birth as possible. I'd met all these amazing like doula women. Um, and this was really like the intention I was setting. And I miscarried like seven weeks into that pregnancy. Aww. Yeah, that was really heartbreaking for me because I was just like, no, I wanted you so bad. So we started trying again immediately. And then there was a bit of frustration because here it goes by May, June, July, August, and I'm not pregnant again. I'm like, we're so young. Like, we're so healthy. The time is right. Like, why isn't this happening? And... So I went and got some acupuncture and in September I was pregnant. And so that was really exciting. And we told everyone right away and we basically just felt like nothing could go wrong. And those are famous last words. Like we thought we're so healthy. Everything will be perfectly fine. And about 11 or 12 weeks into my pregnancy, I was sitting on the couch and I just felt like the biggest hot gush of like liquid mm. coming out of me. And I I thought like I'm miscarrying. Like this is I'm miscarrying again. It has to be. And it wasn't. I had we like rushed to the hospital because I was just like bleeding out all over. And I'm like catching these blood clots. Yeah, it was like a lot of blood. And 
it turned out I had like a pretty intense like subchorionic hemorrhage and so again this sort of like being young and being pregnant thing came into play at the hospital because they were like well they gave me an ultrasound they're like look to see if I'm pregnant still and I was and there was our little baby and this was kind of the first time we had had like an ultrasound Mm -hmm. for him and they're showing like his heartbeat and we knew he was a boy because I like opted to get genetic testing done with each of the pregnancies just a blood one because my insurance would cover it and um they were like well look he's here it looks like this is just like a placental bleed but if you keep losing blood like this we're going to do a dnc because we're going to need to give you a blood transfusion well it's like you just showed me my baby like so healthy and like kicking around in there or like you know assumed healthy you can't give me a dnc and the woman was like well you're young you can have plenty of babies and I just was laying there in this hospital bed, like willing myself not to pass out with my husband next to me. And I just remember talking to my baby and just being like, you know, we want you so bad. Like you have a big brother and you're my son's little brother. And I just, I, I want to meet you so bad. And um, I, I'm getting like emotional talking about it, but it was just like a really intense moment because I was like, please, please stay with us. and he did and my bleeding slowly like tapered down it never stopped fully Mm -hmm. it took like several months before I stopped bleeding Mm -hmm. but basically they told me okay at discharge they were like you've stopped bleeding enough like we're comfortable sending you home they were like we really think you're going to miscarry like do not put a lot of hope into this um And there was this situation where, all right, my business was, I was like a, I ran a Waldorf childhood program for my home. And so I'm alone with like six small children, like 10 hours a day, five days a week. I was like, I can't do that. And also support this pregnancy Mm -hmm. in the way that it needs to be supported. But also Mm -hmm. I'm the main breadwinner. Mm -hmm. Like without that income, we can't afford our like rental house we can't afford like almost anything and so we really had to make a big decision and we chose like let's stick this through and I'm gonna have to close my business Mm. and so I did and that was really hard because the rest of the pregnancy I spent very stressed out because financially we just ran through all of our savings and we knew when I was, I was due in June again, but yeah, I was due in June again and we knew, okay, May, our lease is going to run out and we're not going to be able to renew because of just like finances. So my husband's dad lives here where we live now in Gold Hill and was like, I'm happy for you guys to come live up here with me like I have the space and um, we were like okay we'll be there in May May 15th was our moving day so I started going back to school during this time and it ended up being like a very nice time of my life even though financially it was stressful I spent a lot of time with my son and when it came down to having my baby I did get diagnosed towards the end with preeclampsia 
Hmm. And during this whole pregnancy, I was seeing a home birth midwife because I really thought like I would be able to have the support to do that. And then um, because of our finances, we had to rent out our basement to like someone we didn't know. And I felt really uncomfortable Hmm. um, kind of by his presence. So I was like, if we're still here when I go into labor, I'm not going to be able to have the baby here. But if we're in Gold Hill, I'll be able to have the baby there. So our move out date was May 15th and May 12th on Mother's Day, I went into labor. And so I was like, no, like I'd wanted to go into labor on my own so badly. Mm -hmm. And so I was really happy. Like, yes, this is happening. But also I was like, are you kidding me? Everything was packed up in boxes. We were trying to keep our house so clean. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I was like, all right, let's go to the hospital. Mm -hmm. And I called a doula who was my friend. And she made just a world of difference because this was like the most beautiful birth in a hospital I think I could have experienced. Her name is Rebecca. And she's just so lovely. So she came and she supported me and I was able to have just this birth I had envisioned without an IV, without like all the checks and monitors. Um, And I experienced what it was like to just be in this birth space. And I really like just was in the zone. I don't know, like time stopped. It was like blurred completely. So I'd gone to the hospital and one, no one believed I was in labor because I was too calm, but I was like having my bloody show and I'd already been contracting for like a couple hours. And I was like, I'm ready to be here because I didn't want to go to the hospital in like a panic. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to go. I knew like, all right, my destination for this birth is the hospital at this point. And I don't want to go there when I'm crowning. It's interesting that you felt safer at the hospital or more comfortable at the hospital than your own home just because that guy was there in a different space whereas like there's so many men you don't know or feel comfortable with at the hospital I guess in a way but I knew at the hospital I could be like closed off in a room and I had already made my intention with my doula very clear like only women are allowed in my room and like XYZ like we had ran through several different um scenarios basically and was that honored no men came into your birthing room so no men came into my birthing room that I knew about at the time or could see I guess afterwards I was told that there was like a male resident who like had to be in there, but because he couldn't like be in there per my permission, they made him just stand behind the curtain and just like listen. Yeah. Which, but yeah. for most of my birth, again, in this hospital, I was in the bathroom and mm-hmm. my doula kind of just like dealt with the staff, which mm-hmm. was so amazing because I really just remember like me interacting with them at the beginning and feeling really uncomfy vibes because they were just like, well, you're like only this far, like dilated and like X, Y, Z, and you don't want us to do any of the things that we can like offer doing for you. So why are you here? And I was like, well, because I'm in labor and I'm not giving birth at home. We're moving in three days. Like I I'm not getting my house all bloody. 
our landlord was awful. Like it just, and so I'm there and I'm in the bathtub and I spent most of my labor just in the complete dark in this hospital bathtub and it had the little jacuzzis and it was very like peaceful, honestly, in this room. And my mom showed up. So at this point in my life, my mom is an active presence again, which was wonderful. And my husband's mom was with our sons and her and I had like a much better relationship at this point in time too. So everything was feeling really good. And I, they really wanted to check me and I was like, all right, I will allow them that. I got out at this point in time, I had gotten to the hospital around like four in the morning. And at this point in time, it was like maybe one o'clock in the afternoon. And so they did a check. My water hadn't broken or anything at this time. And they were like, oh, you're 10 centimeters. And they like called in the troops. They're like, everyone get in here. And so I was just like, no, 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 no. Because they didn't want me to get back in the bathtub. And I was like, well, that's how I'm dealing with this. That's how I got to be 10 centimeters. And so my doula asked like, how about when her water comes in, like we reevaluate, you guys can come back in, but like it hasn't even broken yet. Cause they were like, you're 10 centimeters, like get on the bed, like it's time to push. And I was like, no, like we're not doing that. So they left and I was able to just like walk around and I had like all the hip squeezes for my doula and it was really nice again. It's very like dim and beautiful in this hospital room. It's not like, um, it's not like a fluorescent light type situation. They made it feel homey. Um, And I was just standing there. These residents started coming in because I think maybe my doula was letting them know or something that I was like getting close. Um, And my water broke all over their faces (laughs) because they were just like kneeling on the ground, like below me. God. And yeah, that was, I've, remember feeling like huh, serves you right like mm-hmm. get out of there that's mm-hmm. where my butt is <laughs> and so after my water broke they again called in the troops and my contractions just stopped because I had kind of like gotten fed up with all these people coming in and out of course and so I told them I was like well I'm gonna lay down and I'm gonna take a nap and they were like you cannot take a nap and I was like no like I've stalled out don't know what you want me to do like I'm gonna take a nap And so my doula was like, how about this? How about you guys do some nipple stimulation? Everyone will leave the room except for you two. And like, maybe you can see if that'll get your contractions going again. So my husband and I laid in bed and we just started kissing and we were trying to like stimulate my nipples. It was very sweet. He like sucked on them a little bit for me. And then immediately within like a minute of that happening, I was like, oh shit. And I just had like a huge contraction. And so I like got up on my knees and just put my hands down. My husband, I think, pressed the call button on the bed because he was like, all right, it's happening. And I birthed my son into my hands and Mm. it was so sweet. And he cried right away. It was at 36 weeks. So this was the other thing is I was due in June and it was May 12th. So he was only 36 weeks like on the day and we didn't know if he would need any sort of like help. Um, but he was just crying right away and healthy and he latched and it was, he was perfect and fine. And he ended up being just the happiest little baby. So I was like, all right, I practically like just did that on my own. 
And so I knew if I ever have another baby, no matter what, like, I need to make sure we do everything possible to um, be able to have our own space because the only things I didn't like about that birth were just the result of where I was at, which again was like a decision I made and I still feel like could have potentially been better than um, what I would have been dealing with at home with just the guy and the mess and cleanup and all of that. So I did not plan on having another baby for a while. (laughs) 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 I did not plan on having another baby for a while because I was still working on school. I had started going back to school when I was pregnant with my second son while I was just stuck at home. Mm -hmm. And I worked so hard. I was getting through my degree. I was um, going for teaching. It was my bachelor's in education. And I went through student teaching. And right at the end of my student teaching was just such a dramatic time. So picture like 2020, right? Just horrible year. It was 2020 in um, September, October-ish. Yeah, like October. And I'm doing all my final papers for my degree. Like I'm almost done. We get evacuated where we live because of wildfires. Oh, no. Yeah. The school I'm working at is evacuated because of wildfires. Just everything you can imagine is happening in this one week. And so we're living in a hotel. And it turns out that is the week my body was like, let's ovulate. Let's ovulate like two eggs. And... (laughs) So that was a good time. Yeah, because I had been like tracking my cycle really well because I was doing like natural family planning. But this week I was doing nothing because we were evacuated and like I was still trying to do my like internship. And I'm impressed that you like found space to have sex. (laughs) Like we had sex one time. It was one time in this hotel room because impressive. I remember just being like, are you fucking kidding me? When I found out I was pregnant. Oh my God. I'm sorry for cussing. But I just like, it was a couple after that and my Mm -hmm. period didn't come. And I was like, no, like absolutely not. No, no, no. Because I had also been applying for jobs at this point in time, and we thought we were going to be moving, like an international Mm. move, because I was getting interviews for like international schools in Thailand and in Chile, and I got like a competitive job offer in Santiago, Chile, and I was like, okay, in March, we're going to get to move. I was just waiting to like sign some paperwork from the school. We were all getting our passports. Wow. Yeah, like we were really set to like do something completely different. Wow. And I found out I was pregnant and my heart was really so torn because I had worked so hard to get to this point where, um, you know, I finished my degree. I'm going to be doing this big move with my family. But also I just kept thinking, well, what if this is my daughter? Mm. Like I always wanted to be a mom to a daughter. And what if this is her? And I just remember how much it like hurt my heart when we were trying to have Alistair. And even though I know some people try for years and for us, it was like almost like 10 months or so of trying. 
it was still hard to be it's like still scary and confronting yeah and it was yeah. like yeah even if you want a baby at a certain point in time that doesn't necessarily mean like you get to have a baby totally and so I kind of wrestled with this feeling of like are baby are these is this baby meant to be and I went to Planned Parenthood now I'm about six weeks from my calculations pregnant and I wanted to talk to them like what does it look like if I choose to have like a medical abortion because again like I really not sure what I'm wanting to do and they're talking to me about it and it's a pill and she asked me her name was Laura she was like do you want me to do like an ultrasound do you even want to like maybe see like is this even uh like let's just see what's going on in there do you want that and I said yeah like let's just see so she starts doing it and it's turned away from her and this is at Planned Parenthood again and so they use like very specific language um like they don't call it a baby they call it like a pregnancy yeah things like that um she's like if they're to be just for anyone listening who doesn't understand what she's saying Mm -hmm. to be supportive of women choosing to say no to pregnancy so to like d d baby the language to make it more sensitive to how hard of a decision this this is for women yeah yeah and i i just want to say like i really appreciated being there and just having that random person there to just talk to and be like listen i have this job offer like overseas but now i'm pregnant and i'm graduating and just what should i do and obviously they're not going to tell me what i should do but it was just nice to have someone outside of the situation listen you know when i used to run full spectrum doula trainings and and stuff in los angeles um, i read a, a statistic somewhere that stuck with me uh, that the most common demographic of women who choose to terminate pregnancies in America are mothers of two. Wow. Which is not like the cultural propaganda. It's, you know, no. they pitch it as like the, the, you know, irresponsible teen or something like that. And yeah, a, a mother with already two living children is the most common highest demographic of, of women to say no to a pregnancy. And I, I, I'm bringing that up. I, obviously you don't go on to do that, but, but many women do. And I think it really is just so important that we, you know, say on this show and, and in women, you know, spaces, it's okay to just not want to be pregnant. Like, yeah. you know, and your story is, is, is a great example of that. And, and it, you know, I know that your story shifts and you get with the program and da, 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 but to just not want to be pregnant, you know, and, and looking at your life and what's ahead of you and what you wanted for your life and to say like, no, I am going to claim that, or, you know, in some, or I'm willing to shift. I just think having that space, freedom, support, is just so important. And I wish there was more of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I feel like I've been trying to be really open about that beginning part because for me, I don't want to feel, I think it can feel really shameful sometimes for women talking about like um, making that choice. But for me, it was very real. Like, and I love babies. I do. And um, I love being a mom, but I really loved what this opportunity could have provided for my other two children. And so it was just this kind of, um, I don't know, struggle between like, what am I going to do? 
Yeah. And so she asked, she said, yeah, saying no to a pregnancy also, you know, for anyone listening, like, you know, just remember, like, if you say no, you're also saying yes to something else. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but so keep going. Well, yeah. So she asked, she was like, would you like to see the pregnancy? Um, like, would you like to show me to show you the screen? And I said, yes. And she was like, I want you to know, like, I, I am seeing two pregnancies here. And in my brain, I was like, like in the office, like me and who else? <laughs> totally. Like, that's great. Like, let's talk about me though. <laughs> you know, just because the language is a little confusing totally, for me. Totally, totally. And so she's like turning her screen and she's like, no, like, like two pregnancies like here. And I remember seeing like two little beans and I, they kind of looked like evil eyeballs because it was just like two little like black slits. And you're like, oh God, no. Yeah. And I was like, I think I said, what the fuck, Laura? I was like, no, no. Like, are you kidding me? I'm on like the precipice right. of like letting go and saying like, I'm so sorry, baby, but like, this isn't the right time. And I'm, there are people like it's okay also to abort twins but at this moment in time I saw that and my heart was just like okay this is a sign that something else is happening and I didn't have I was like I'm gonna have to go home and think about this I think is what I said and she was like that's totally reasonable then I went into like a fugue state I like went out it was November I bought all my kids Christmas presents like (laughs) without consulting my husband or I just like went and just bought them Christmas presents and went home and my husband was just kind of sitting on his computer and he's like how did it go because he thinks I just you know went and I may have I may or may not have had an abortion so the talk between my husband and I was he won I just have to say like my husband is like such a beautiful human being and is so supportive of like just my autonomy and like my choices and so throughout all of these like with my first birth where I very much like went from wanting a home birth to like sabotaging it at the last minute he was like I'm with you every step of the way like whatever you need to do like I support you and with my second birth he was like I support you like whatever it needs to look like I support you and so with this he had kind of always joked in our relationship, um, pretty much like ever since we had our first son, he was like, all right, we're going to have like, uh, we're going to have like two babies and then we're going to have twins. He like really wanted twins at Whoa. some point in time. Yeah. Well, and he would say that. Yeah. He was like manifesting this pregnancy. So I, and he really, I should also say, had been saying a lot that summer that he wanted another baby. Um, and he's just very sweet because he's, he would talk about it, but he wouldn't be like, let's have another baby. He's just like, I'm excited for when we have another baby. And, um, you know, he was just feeling it a little bit more than me. I was like, and I want a job. Right. Like, exactly. I want a life. <laughs> like, yeah. I want like a serious job. And, <laughs> and he was, he just was like, I was like laughing and crying at the same time. And totally. my husband was like, huh, nice. And I'm like, like high no. five. yeah, I'm like, what? 
that's like so much we have to figure out. And he's like, it'll all be okay. Like, that's just funny to me. But he was like, it'll all be okay. And so I was like, all right, it is all going to be okay. And I chose for the first like 15 weeks of my pregnancy because I wasn't sure, um, given my history with like my previous pregnancies and just when pregnancies are riskier in general, Mm -hmm. I didn't have any medical care for the first 15 weeks and just did my own thing at home and was like, whatever will be, will be. And then- Well, plus there's nothing to do. No. Like in the only medical care you would have gotten in the system is they would have run your first trimester labs. They would have given you tons of ultrasounds. You know what I mean? Which is different than like doing. Yes. I guess I just meant like the typical timeline that I was following in my previous pregnancies. I was not doing this time. Um, And so January rolls around and I started working just as like a substitute teacher. And that's what I did for the remainder of the pregnancy. And And now we're in 2021 now. Yeah. So COVID is still happening. So how postpartum are you right now? So I had had my son in May of 2019. So he is one and a half. Okay. But how postpartum are you right now in this moment? Right now in this moment, I'm six weeks postpartum. I did not realize you were that freshly postpartum. Yeah, oh my goodness. I'm freshly postpartum. Wow. Yes. Okay. Okay. Sorry. January. No, you're okay. Yeah. So I started seeing um, just some nurse midwife at this point in time because I was like, I would like to have some level of prenatal care. I don't want to take that on myself. But I also knew when it comes down to it, we're going to be having these babies by ourselves at home. Mm. Um, and I, I just knew. I was like, that's what I want. That is my intention. But I would like some prenatal care. Um, and why, why alone versus not alone? Yeah, good question. So one, it seems like it was not um, within the rules, like the midwifery rules to do like twin home births. So I would have had to find like an underground midwife. And I kind of just, I, I mean, at this point, I'm like working full time. I have two kids. I'm like, I don't like no research for me, please. <laughs> um, and also, I just felt like we could do it. Totally. It's like we can do this. Mm-hmm. I probably would have loved to have Rebecca there again. Um, but at this point in time, like her career had built up more with her doula and like midwifery business and so she was charging a bit more and she lived further away and I was like I one cannot like within like my good conscience for my family spend like a couple grand on having someone there right now if they don't actually need to be there Mm -hmm. Um, and I also wouldn't want to ask her to take less because Mm -hmm. that's her business and like I support her charging what she is worth. So, well, and you're making such a cool point around need versus want, right? Because you don't really need anyone there. Yeah. And when you understand that and you can decide if you want or not, and if it's worth the value, the financial value and the emotional value, it just becomes a lot more like freer. Like it's a lot lighter to kind of try on the different ideas. Yeah. Well, and I asked her like, would you be willing to tell me like what sort of stuff I might want to buy to like have on hand? 
and she did she hooked me up with like the link to her like home birth like box kit and so she told me what things I might want two of to like adjust the order so I did all of that and I mean this pregnancy it went like really smooth for a twin pregnancy I was super sick the first part of it like throwing up all the time when we found out they were both girls I (laughs) it was through a blood test again and I thought it was I thought it was a joke I was like I will believe it when I see their little tiny vulvas like (laughs) this is too good to be true um And we were just really excited. We took a baby moon to Belize when I was about 23 weeks pregnant for two weeks. And we took our kids with us. And that was really special. I also, in this I'm not doing any research stubborn mindset of mine, did not realize Zika was still a thing. That like there are still mosquitoes out there with Zika. And so I felt really frustrated because I was like, well, how prevalent is it and now I need to wear like this bug spray all the time and like I don't know so that was stressful but overall I did not get Zika from this Belize vacation and it was very good and yeah we just got closer to the end I did get diagnosed with mild preeclampsia again which was the last pregnancy and this one it was all just like based around protein in my urine and like slightly elevated blood pressure, but never like anything over like 140 over 90. So not really a big deal. I kind of just see it as like my body's way of telling me like I was getting close. And oof, I felt like I was getting close. Like there came a point in the twin pregnancy, probably around like 30 weeks where I was just like, it can't get any bigger. Like this is so big. But I also was really cherishing it. Like, I just, I was so, I knew these would be our last babies. Oh, I want to see pictures. Yeah, I was like, I I knew these would be our last babies, and I just wanted to stay pregnant for as long as I could. So on, I was 35 weeks when I went into labor, 35 weeks in a couple days, and I knew it was really close the previous days because I had started smelling it <laughs> and the, the preeclampsia is not bothering you you're just like it's no. gonna be fine I'm gonna take care of myself it's it's not even that big of a deal yeah both the last time and this time because it's not like I wouldn't have like a lot of swelling or like really any sort of severe symptoms it was just this thing that based on like these lab works that I yeah. was having done that I knew um was happening mm-hmm. and did you did you have a threshold where you were like once I hit x week I'll be comfortable birthing at home like how yeah, did you that's work a really good question so um 35 weeks was what I had been telling myself um and that was based around the fact that I had been having some contractions earlier than that, like around 29, 30 weeks, et cetera. Because keep in mind, I'm still working full time, like during all of this. Crazy. And yeah. And so I advocated for myself through this um, prenatal care relationship that I really wanted them to give me the steroid shots for the baby's lung development because I was like, knowing how high up I am in the mountains. And like how I am like a good 40 minute drive from a hospital and knowing that my intention was to birth at home, I was like their lungs being developed sooner, 
rather than later gives me like the best chance of like having that happen. But I was in my mind thinking if I'm already having these contractions now, I can't imagine I'm probably going to make it to like 38 weeks or so. And so I did. I felt like honestly, given because I had spoken to them a lot about like, what does it look like to have these babies in the hospital? Because if they were going to come earlier than 35 weeks, I wanted to have a plan. Yeah. Um, And I hated everything about what they were telling me. They were like, you have to be on an operating table in the operating room. Yeah, they were like, you have to have an epidural because if we have to like emergency C-section, the second one after the first one comes out, it was just a whole bunch of stuff I didn't want to hear. And they even, one doctor had the audacity to tell me, she was like, well, I'd perform a breech extraction if like the second baby is breached. So I'll just reach my arm in there and twist it, the baby around. And I was like, you're not going to stick your arm inside of me. I was like, I will, like, I am one, like a, I have like a history of like sexual trauma and like, that's like, I almost cried just hearing her like talk to me about that. I was like, no, thank you. And she was like, well, you'll have an epidural. And I was like, no. We'll numb you you out before we assault you. Don't worry. Yeah. I was like, I, I really... Like, that's not going to happen. And so I Hard just no. knew. Yeah, I was like, I'm having these two little girls. I want them to come into the world, like, in their own power. I, I just, I want that for them. So did you play it to them? Like, the hospital staff thought mm. you were coming into birth. They thought that's what I would have done. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And so I did you- ask. Oh, sorry. I just, at one point, I did say, like, do you have people ever have a baby at home and then they come in like a little later if they need like stitches or something or like if they want to be seen and she was like well yes in like emergency situations if someone accidentally has a baby at home like we could still see them and I was like okay I just just want to know like my mom had twins in two hours so I want to be prepared um and I told them that and I don't know maybe they had their own suspicions about my intentions but I didn't really care who cares yeah it's not, it doesn't matter no and I feel like it's just important to mention like as a young mom and like a black mom in general I am like pretty nervous about like things like CPS and stuff and so it was important to me that I had records of my prenatal care mm. and that just in case anything did happen in like a really worst case scenario with having the babies at home I wanted to kind of cover my ass by having this. Yes. And it's interesting though, because there is a solid argument for why the records could actually wind up causing more harm. This is, you know, yeah. And so I, I hear that. And I, I know a lot of women who, who, who choose that path on that same, that same reasoning. And also I know other women who purposefully don't engage in the system at all because to have record is to put you on their radar. Sure. Right. So, yeah. and I'm not saying one way is better mm-hmm. than the other or anything like that. It's just, I think it's a very interesting topic because how do we mitigate intervention? Scrutiny, yeah. right. Essentially, how do mm-hmm. we do that? And right. It is such a like toss up because on the one path, let's say a woman has no records of any kind and then births successfully at home 
and then continues on with her life, right? And the system's mm-hmm. none the wiser. It's a yeah. pretty ideal scenario. Now that same woman could then, you know, get a little records beforehand. And then it only takes one person to say, Hey, what's up with that mom? Why hasn't she come back? You know, Oh, give CPS a call, go do a well visit, you know, and then boom, mm-hmm. you're on people's radar. And then that acts. And I've seen it happen in, in all of those directions. I've seen women be harassed for no records. And then I've seen women be harassed for the records. Yeah. Well, I pretty much had made the decision, like while we were going to birth at home, when it came down to talking to doctors, I was just going to say it was an accident. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, Because you don't want them to know you're dissenting. (laughs) Yeah. Well, they can't like fault me for that. And then I didn't have to have like uncomfortable conversations. And, um, that was just for me, like the most non, um, confrontational way I could think to like, kind of have my best of both worlds. Yeah. I mean, it's what most, most women do for sure. Yeah. (laughs) So I went into labor, uh, 35 weeks and some days and I had started smelling it coming. Like I just had this smell that smelled like the postpartum, like, um, fluid, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so I told my husband and he could smell it too. He was like, yeah you have like a smell, like you're really pregnant smelling. And so this morning, the morning of um, the 4th, June 4th, I, we went on a hike. It was a mild hike, but we went on it with our kids and I was just having to breathe through a lot of it. I was having some contractions and I was like, okay, something might be happening. And I went into my like bi-weekly at this point, like prenatal appointment for them to just like just check me, not like internally, but with their non-stress test monitors. And they were like, yep, everything's still like looking as it is normal. And I was like, okay. And I went home and by the evening time, I was just feeling a lot of like menstrual type cramping. And I knew I was like, this is probably labor. Like I just, I just knew I was like, this is probably it, but it was so calm that I wasn't really worried or like, um, anxious about it. I was just like, this is, it's starting to happen. Um, my husband works really close by and I knew that he really didn't want to be at work that evening because they were super short staffed. And so I called his job and was like, I think Sebastian needs to come home because this could really this could really be the, um, the, the moment. Um, this could be when my labor is happening and they were annoyed, but they let him come home. And he was like, him coming home was really what felt like it helped kick it in gear. Because prior to that, I was just like sitting on my bouncy ball and talking with my kids and, um, they were watching a show and I knew I needed to do bedtime soon because eight o'clock was coming fast. And he came in and he was just like, all right, I'm going to put the kids to bed. Like you go upstairs, you relax, go in our room and like, let me know what you need. I'll be in there in a little bit. So I'm just in our room, like listening to music and really like 10 minutes apart. My contractions are, they're not like super painful and it kind of feels like, oh, maybe it's a false alarm because I'd been having a lot of contractions at this point for a while. But I was like, no, I'm going to choose to believe that this is it because I would really like to have these babies. And so my husband came back in after he put the kids to bed and it's about 830 and he suggested we take a walk. 
So we walked around our town and it was just so peaceful to just, I mean, in beautiful like summer evening, the it wasn't too hot and just walking around helped the contraction sort of like pick up a little bit. So I was like, let's go home. I'm getting uncomfortable. I think I want to take a bath. So he said, okay. And we came home. He filled up the bathtub for me and I got in. And like when you are massively pregnant with twins, like a bathtub is too small of a space for you to really be in. But it was okay because I was like, this is the best we can do right now. And he was so sweet. He lit a bunch of candles all around like the upstairs of our house. And he brought up a grilled cheese sandwich to me, which is my favorite food. (laughs) I really wanted to listen to um, Poetic Justice by Kendrick Lamar for whatever reason. It was like stuck in my head. So he brought up the iPad for me and it was playing. And I just remember being in the bathtub eating my grilled cheese and listening. And I was like, this is like too good to be labor. Like I'm not really in labor this is too good. It doesn't even hurt. Like, this is fine. Um, And I got out of the bathtub probably around, I want to say at this point, it's 11 because I took a picture and this is like the one picture I have. Because I was like, if this really is labor though, I want like a picture of how big I got. So I took a picture in the mirror and I went and laid down with my husband and we were just laying in bed together and just kind of talking and reminiscing about the pregnancy and we decided to like make love like one last time while I was pregnant. And that was really special because again, I wasn't in any pain. Um, I was still having contractions, but it wasn't painful. And then we fell asleep (laughs) and I woke up at this point, it was a power nap. I woke up around like 1125 and I heard a pop and I was like, oh, okay, that's probably my water. So I got out of bed and it started trickling a little slowly. So I went to the bathroom and sat down on the toilet because I was like, I'm going to poop now. I would really like to poop before I have these babies. Again, we're in our class, our house, so we have to clean up the mess. I don't want to poop in the bathtub. So I'm trying and I'm just like, no poop is coming. And I know like, this is so stereotypical, but I'm like, I really have to poop. I really have to poop. And I went through transition on this toilet. And this was my like, oh fuck, here's where the pain came in moment. Cause it all came in at once. And my body just started like sweating profusely. And I just wanted to like bite down so hard. And I was just like, oh, like this hurts so bad. And my husband was like, I'm going to fill up the bathtub for you again. Do you want to get it? And I'm like, yes. That's like all I could say was just like, yes, I want to be in the bath. I don't want to have a baby on the toilet. You're right. Like not in this bathroom. And so he helped me into the bathtub and I asked him, I was like, what time is it? Because this whole time we're inching closer to midnight. And my big thing was I didn't want our twins to be born on different days. I really just wanted twins with the same birthday. He was like, it's 11.55. And I was like, no. And so I'm just like in this tub, like willing it to be midnight. Like I really cared Uh, about this. That's funny. Yeah. And then with one, like he told me when midnight happened and then I started like letting myself push out my baby. And she was born at 12.05. It was like one big push and she- came out into my hands into the bathtub and I mean she was so small and slippery like she slipped under the water a little but I 
brought her up and just had to like hunch down and like suck her little nose and I just spit like her slime (laughs) into the tub and I was kind of really scared at this Hmm. moment because she cried but she was so small um she weighed four pounds 13 ounces but I didn't know that at that moment but I was like this is a very small baby and I was not expecting my baby to be this little and so I was kind of like oh shit so I put her against my belly I couldn't hand her to Sebastian and I couldn't put her on my chest because of her cord so I just had her in my belly and we had a towel and I was like I cannot have another baby in this bathtub like I just logistically don't have enough hands for this. So my husband's like hoisting me over to our bed. And I'm just saying, I was saying like over and over, like, I just need a moment. I just need a moment. And I like a moment was not being given to me. Like the next contractions for the baby were like right there. And so he got me onto the bed and he laid me on my back and I just screamed at him. I was like, anything with this, like any other position, please. And so I'm also trying to deal with like this tiny baby I just had. And I was like, grab my electric heat pad, plug it in. We'll put it on low, slide it under me. We'll put the baby on that. We'll put the towel over the baby. I can birth on my hands and knees. And so I'm like trying to like put together, like how is this going to work while like dealing with the pain of the contractions. And I got on my hands and knees because I'm feeling my body start to push And my husband is like behind me and he's looking and he's like, is that her head? That's like starting to come out and then suck back in. And I'm reaching down and I'm like, no, no, that is not her head. But it was also not her butt. It was her sack. Hmm. It was like her amniotic sack. And so I was like, this is cool. I had kind of thought all along, like it would be really cool if one of the babies was born in their sack. But it also was not cool because it kept sucking back into me like it was too bubbly totally so I was like I'm gonna have to give one big push and you're gonna need to catch and so I gave like a really big push and I bared down and my husband caught Poppy this our second twin and um her amniotic sac just like popped all over his hands and immediately like after she came out both placentas fell out like on top of her whoa yeah which like before in my other births it was like 30 40 minutes after I had a baby like the placenta I had to like birth on its own but these placentas like fell out with the baby and they were huge and they were like fused together and they just like whacked poppy poor little thing So she was like covered in blood and she was just mad. She was so mad. And my husband, I looked at him because again, he was behind me during this. And I looked at him and I just could tell that he did not know those were my placentas and that he was the scaredest I've ever seen him. And maybe I ever will. I, I like, he was so scared and I just told him because I knew immediately I was like those are the placentas take a deep breath those yeah, are the placentas it's fine. and he was like I thought you died he was like I thought those were your organs I mean they are your organs yeah but he thought like all of my oh. organs were falling out of me can you and imagine that- totally I mean if you don't yeah. know it's horrifying 
Yeah. yeah, and he thought he was just like a single father now with four children <laughs> who like his wife just died in their bed. Oh and so God. all of this blood is pouring out of me now because there's so much blood after like I've never bled this much. Two babies, like that was just a lot. The two placentas. Yeah. And so I'm bleeding all over, but I was like, it's okay, because I knew to expect it. And Poppy was also slightly small, but she was larger than Clementine, who was the first twin. And um, yeah, she was both of them. I got them on my chest and I was able to nurse Clementine, but Poppy wasn't nursing and she was just real sleepy and grunting a lot. So we gave it about three hours and then I ended up deciding to call um, the hospital and ask if there was someone on staff who would listen to her breathe. And I just explained, like, I accidentally had these babies at home, but we live kind of far away. Could you, like, listen to her breathe so we know if we, like, need to get her um, evaluated or whatever? And they listened to her and they were like, yeah, that's, like, too much grunting. It was, like, with every breath. And since she isn't nursing and um, it's been three hours, like, why don't you bring her in and we'll just check on her? So we ended up spending after about three hours we went to the NICU and it was a room in NICU at the Boulder Community Hospital so it was actually a fine experience because she didn't need anything but they determined because of our elevation because again we're at like 9,000 something feet um, that she probably needed just like lower elevation for a while so she could learn how to like suck swallow breathe Mm -hmm. and then while we were there I was able to learn, like help her learn how to nurse. And that let us go home the next day easily. And um, when we got back home, she was fine and able to do that up here again. But yeah, it's it's been crazy because they're so small and they need a lot more than um, my other babies did. Poppy, mm. we still worry about her breathing at times. Like she just got her first cold and she still like struggles a little bit but we just put her skin to skin and like you know try and help her as much as we can and she is getting better every day but yeah I mean 35 weeks is still pretty early so I'm still happy though and proud when it's all said and done that they were able to have like a birth where they were just able to be regular babies and have like the ability to come out on their own and nurse from my body and not be like swept away by anyone. Well, they are regular babies. Yeah. But you know, like when babies are born small in like a hospital setting. No, I get it. They wouldn't have been treated like regular babies. No. But they are regular babies, which is your Mm -hmm. point, right? That you protected a space where they could be what they really are, which is- exactly healthy babies mm-hmm. who were born at term through spontaneous labor. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I, I hear you on the like yeah. littleness and the, you know, but they weren't, they weren't 32 weeks. They weren't, no. you know, like they are nursing mm-hmm. and they're still adjusting. They're still coming into their bodies. They're six weeks old. That's really little. Yeah. And, and you're so, breastfeeding them. Yeah. They've been exclusively breastfed. That's and amazing. Yeah. We're doing really good. And I just, am. Um, I really would just encourage, I don't know, any other moms who find out they're pregnant with twins that like, 
it can be done and it's it is like maybe it looks different but it's the babies don't need to have like a special medical situation just because they're twins like I don't know it's it's been really wonderful and everyone who hears our story has just been like really one shocked that like they didn't know twins could be born at home you know and it's like well of course what happened what happened a hundred years ago did all twins just die of course not (laughs) yeah but it's also opened up just a lot of really wonderful conversations Mm -hmm. because while with hospitals and doctors we've told like it was an accident with people we encounter we've been very open about like our choice and um I just feel like it's helpful to have more stories like this be told and um I hope that my girls will be able to I don't know just have this piece of their life help them if they choose to have children one day um be able to have like a more empowered totally birth yeah right well I mean if if you had just done the classic c-section route yeah they would carry the story that they couldn't be born yeah you know and instead you let them be born right they were spawn they were naturally created they were naturally born and Mm -hmm. twins is so special but it's not a um it's not a it's not an expression or a symptom of brokenness it's like it's an incredible uh, like supernatural kind of, you know, amazing yeah. phenomenon, but it's not, um, but you know, things, things that are extra special get seen through the filter of the allopathic model as, um, sick. Yeah. You know, well, and I knew like my body made these twins so exactly. randomly and it carried so them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it carried them like the best it could. And I knew like it would birth them the best way that it could. And I, I just had to trust the process. And I feel like I made that choice very early on in the pregnancy to just like trust what would happen mm-hmm. and that it would be okay. And I, yeah, I also just love that. Like we started our pregnancy with like just a very spontaneous, like we're in a hotel room and we have like I a know. couple minutes alone during all oh this stress. Gosh let's just have sex. What's the worst that could happen? (laughs) And, you know, not the worst, but we got pregnant. And I love that we closed out our like pregnancy journey and like child journey with like just a really beautiful, Mm -hmm. like just being able to like make love one last time was like really special. And we both felt like it lasted just like a lot longer. Like it kind of was like, he joined me in that like birth. Mm -hmm. Um, place where like Mm -hmm. time is nothing and yeah we were just so dreamy together and Mm -hmm. I'm just really thankful that I got to have that experience and bring that my girls into that yeah that you chose that you know like that didn't just happen that was you really staking your claim and choosing to write your story as you wanted it it's beautiful awesome Oh, thank you so, so, so much. This will inspire so many women. And you're right. We need more content out there. We need more women's voices where they just birth their babies and don't make it this whole medical condition. So thank you for your willingness to share. You're welcome. And thank you for listening. And I know like, yes, it wasn't like a completely free pregnancy. Like I certainly made a lot of medical choices along Mm -hmm. the way. And, um, yeah, but that's just, that was what yeah. you wanted. Yeah, it was what you I know wanted. You know what I mean? 
That's the point. I think that's like, important. Yes, exactly. Yeah. This isn't, you know, my podcast, my work, my opinion is not that everyone should be making like the unilaterally same identical decisions and that a wild pregnancy is the most uh, anything, you know? And I think yeah. that's, that's like a really common misunderstanding of, of my stance that there's some gold standard. It's like, I want to see the liberation of women and girls. And one of the liberation, you know, pieces I want to see is women making their own decisions and birthing their way and interacting with the system on their terms. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm really proud of you. Thank you. Yeah. More about autonomy, just like a journey of autonomy. Totally. I love it. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you. And that's it for today, my sisters. Check out everything we do, including one-on-one and group coaching, learn about our private membership, in-person retreats, and more on freebirthsociety.com. Our online courses are on freebirthsocietycourses.com, including our flagship course, The Complete Guide to Free Birth. Don't miss the Radical Birthkeeper School if you're ready to become the authentic midwife that women are searching for. Together we rise and the revolution starts inside each of us. I'll leave you with our Free Birth Society theme song, Wild Woman by Aruba Red. I honor you for the wisdom you held, the ancient traditions of plant medicine and womb magic. I feel the spirit of the ancestors as I place my hands upon my belly. This sacred portal will be honoured. Eons upon light beams of survival withstanding the eradication of our power by design. I will not allow the separation of our young to be forced upon me. My sisters will no longer birth in captivity. The picket line redefined from burning our wild women to paralysing us and drugging our babes. Strapped down in a clinical white bed, drying up the milk from our breasts. Keep your needles. My family will never again be doomed to chase those dragons or your poison. We reject your fear. We choose love. Everything with intention. Death, ascension. I will fly and bring her back from the stars. Conscious consent.